Hi, this is Larry Blamire, and you're listening to Huh? Podcast. Hey, everybody. This is Dino with Her Podcast. Michelle's not able to be with me right now, but I do have a very special guest. You've heard me talk about his films all the time. We finally have him on, Mr. Larry Blamire. How are you, buddy? I'm good. I'm good. Great. Is that, good, is that, is that my intro? You can, you can say more about me if you want. Well, you, you know more about you than I do. I'm kidding. I kid. <laughs> I kid. See, I'm just, I'm seeking praise. I just wanted you to say uh, all the wonderful things I do. But um, it's, it's nice to, uh, nice to talk to you, Dino. Yeah, thank you. Um, well, let me, let me just start with my history with you. Um, it was probably, probably about 15 years ago. And I'm in a video in a uh, movie gallery. And I'm looking around and looking at new releases, and I see a, a movie called The Lost Skeleton of Cadavera on the wall. And I read it, and I say, well, this sounds goofy as hell. So I pick it up and bring it home, and then I watch it. And then I realize that there's not one but two audio commentaries on it. So... I watch it a second time and then watch it a third time in one day. And it is goofy as hell. <laughs> and yeah, I, I fell in love and, you know, I, I, I got the joke right off the, off the bat, you know, and so I, and I know people use, you know, spoof or satire or whatever I saw it as an ultimate love letter to, you know, the 50s B-movies. Yeah. Now. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I, that's, that, it's half that and half uh, my, my love of, of the absurd. So it's yeah. kind of a collision of those two things that I love. <laughs> yeah. So after that, you know, I... Even then, I, I kind of contacted, um, I think I contacted your uh, website, like the, uh, uh, what was that, Bantam Street, mm -hmm. was it? Yeah. And contact, and then, boom, I got an email back from Dr. Paul Armstrong. <laughs> so I said, oh, well. I, oh, you know, uh, yeah, any chance to uh, 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 get his voice heard? <laughs> can, can shut him up <laughs> yeah so then um, went back to that video store and then ended up buying that copy and then a few years later I found out you had two other films that were 
being made available in the United States. Mm -hmm. The uh, Lost Skeleton Returns Again and Dark and Stormy Night. Yes, which came, and they came out 10 years ago this year. Oh, yeah. Great. So, yeah, I bought those and, you know, really dug those and then had the hardest time finding Child of Screaming Forehead and ended up getting it on eBay. And fortunately, I had had a Blu-ray player at the time and I was able to play it here in the States. <laughs> oh, okay. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Because, because now, I had, go ahead. Now we have a, a brand spanking new Blu-ray of it that is the uh, world premiere of, of my uh, original director's cut. Right. Yeah. Because I know that IFC had also played, I think it was a producer's cut of it for, for a little bit. Uh, it ran, yes. It ran on IFC for a while. The, the cut version. Yes. Yeah, and I had had that on my DVR until that took a, uh, a dive on me. But, so, and then we had the, um, we had met a couple of times over at the SC Comic Con in Greenville, South Carolina. Yes, yes. There you go, and I bought your play. Bride of the Mutant's Tomb. Bride of the Mutant's Tomb, right. And then also bought uh, Jen's uh, children's book. Yes, Sticky May Gray, wonderful children's book, which, uh, uh, just to plug, that's available on uh, lulu.com. Um, it's a terrific book. And right. the, uh, the play Bride of the Mutants Tomb, of course, had some of the elements in it that would later become part of uh, Lost Skeleton Cadaver. Right. And that was, that was a, a play that you had performed, that you had uh, written and uh, put on, right? I, I wrote it, uh, uh, a fellow named, very talented fellow named Perry Barton directed it for the Open Door Theater. Uh, Brian Howe, our own uh, uh, Brian Howe of Stormy uh, Night and Skeleton and everything else, uh, and Big Dan Freighter, uh, was, uh, was in that cast. And, um, uh, and it featured the sort of, uh, the germ of the characters of Crowbar and Lattice, they were, uh, in in that ver in in that uh, incarnation, they were uh, a lot closer to their origins, which was Eros and Tana, the aliens from Plan Nine from Outer Space. Yeah. Uh, of all the Lost Skeleton characters, those two are the most directly inspired. Where I can sort of point to the inspiration, um, and it was definitely the aliens from from Plan Nine. Uh, but uh, Bride of the Mutant's Tomb was about. A, a sort of an Ed Wood type director, pretty, you know, loosely based on 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 him. Uh, it's just about a guy with nothing trying to get his movie made, you know, and um, kind of an underdog story. And uh, I was, you know, I, I was very happy with it, and and, uh, and I, the audiences really enjoyed it. Um, and so some things from there turned up in uh, some of the, the things from there turned up in the Lost Skeleton. So what what made you want to take that story and expand it to a to a movie? Uh, well, you mean Bride of the Mutant's Tomb? Yeah, yeah. Well, it, it, I really didn't. I didn't expand Bride to a movie. Uh, oh, right. It's yeah, really I'm sorry. very different. I mean, when I started writing Lost Skeleton, I was trying to jam in everything 
uh, all, all kinds of different elements that seem sort of incongruous or disparate. Uh, you know, you've got, you've got this vengeful, villainous skeleton that is sort of supernatural, but then you have the science fiction elements of the, of the mutant and the aliens. And so you've got that kind of monster. And then you've got Anamala, which is, you know, um, the sort of uh, cat women of the moon, femme fatale kind of thing, astounding she monster or whatever. So all these things are, you know, kind of melt. It's sort of a melting pot. Um, the only thing, the things I took from Bride the Mutant's Tomb was some with the aliens and some of their dialogue and the mutant or the idea of a mutant. Uh, it's it's a very different as uh, the one that Courtney Skinner built for the movie is very different from the one that we built in Bride the Mutant's Tomb. But, mm-hmm. you know, so there were certain elements from that. But uh, but really, Lost Skeleton is, sort of became its own its own animal. Right. Now, here's something that I thought was pretty interesting. You know, your, your law skeleton is, you know, based, what, like toward the late 50s type era? Like your mid-late yeah, 50s? Uh, well, um, uh, uh, I had set out with the idea that it would be late 50s, which was an incredible time for, um, you know, you look at all the stuff that, that Shot Factory and Kino Lorber are putting out now that is from that, uh, and Universal, that is from that, that uh, rich, rich 50s period. Uh, it, it was quite a, uh, quite a bonanza of, uh, of films. Now, when we shot the movie, I couldn't, we couldn't get a 50s car. We got a 1960, early 60s car. So decided, okay, it's set in 1961, let's say, which is still, uh, which was still a black and white era, really. Um, in fact, the day Mars invaded the Earth was in 1964, and that's a black and white movie, one of the last of the black and white sci-fi movies. Um, there were, there were, you know, mm-hmm. a few more. But, um, but that's that's why we kind of, yeah, that's why I kind of consider it early 60s. Right now, even like your your dialogue and your rhythm, you know, the pacing of everything um, is. I mean, pretty spot on for that. When you write, I, I can't imagine that allows for many ad libs. No, uh, Just because you, no, it, no, my actors talk about that. Where you know, it's sort of like it's just ad libs are very rare in trailer screaming, trail of the screaming forehead. Uh, Brian and Dan, uh, that's Brian Howe and Dan Conroy, did did some ad living that uh, was was beautiful, and we and we left it in. But for the most part, um, yeah, it, it's kind of it's hard to ad lib in this territory because you're dealing with a certain kind of cadence, a certain kind of language that is uh, a certain B movie talk, and and so uh, yeah, we don't really have too much in the way of ad libbing. Right. I mean, and especially in like if I may jump ahead a little bit um, to Dark and Stormy Night where everything is a very quick wit, oh, you know, 1940s, you know, rhythm, you know, type of yeah, thing. We're, we're looking at either late 30s, early 40s there. It it it, uh, uh, it was a whole different flavor, a different language, right. um, which the actors, I thought, did a tremendous job of tackling that. If you look at the, the reporters played by Jen, uh, Jennifer Blair and Dan Roebuck, um, there, you know, that patter back and forth, they, they worked hard on that and they nailed it. Uh, and so that had to have that, 
that snappy kind of 1930s pattern to it. Right. Uh, by the way, that just uh, just came out on, we, we just put a Blu-ray of that out, uh, which uh, ports over the commentary tracks uh, or track from the DVD release, but we have some new extras on there too. Um, two of the uh, uh, reanimated movie classics that we've been doing, which are a lot of fun. Uh, the Girl in the Clock and Curse of the Drop Trials, which is another old Dark House thing. Dark and Stormy Night, I should mention, is is a sort of love letter uh, to the old Dark House movies. Yeah, and that is personally, I mean, I love all your films, but that one is, you know, my personal favorite. And mm-hmm. it's just so ridiculously quotable. You know? <laughs> Thank you. Like, you know, let's leave this room of death and mounted heads. I mean, <laughs> so. Yeah, it, 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 was, it was a lot of fun. I, I, I just, a, getting to do a, an old Dark House movie was a, a dream come true. And, uh, um, and, you know, by that time, our stock company had grown. So we've got, you know, 20 plus actors. <laughs> and at times they were, you know, they were in the same room. That was, uh, that was uh, epic. I mean, it was quite a, 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 a an interesting, uh, Thing to have that many actors. Um, well, first, first of all, how lucky am I to, you know, have uh, such wonderful people to work with to to say your dialogue. I mean, that's that's a great thing right there. And and uh, and we were ha- able to have uh, in Dark and Stormy such a large cast. It was important for me to. Well, first of all, it's fun to write for people you know. You're writing for a specific voice. Right. Um, but then to you know to be able to include. Um, so many in that was was just a real treat. Yeah, and as I was going to say, that's another thing. You know, when I when I grew up, you know, I knew of like James Karen from you know Poltergeist, and and of course I, I grew up in New York, so he was the Pathmark guy. And <laughs> so to see him, and this was before I saw the trailer, Screaming Forehead. But to see him in your film, you know, Jim Beaver. Yes. You know, I was a, a supernatural fan and also um uh Harper's Island. Yeah, so oh, yeah. To, sure. to see him in there uh, you know, growing up, mm. you know, watching Laverne and Shirley, you know, Betty Garrett. Betty and, wonderful, wonderful, yep. Yeah, so it was it was absolutely uh, great uh, to Marvin, see everybody Marvin, in there. Marvin Kaplan is the um, oh yeah spirit. Uh, H M Winant. <laughs> What's that? You know, like like H uh, M Winant. Yes. Also, H. he's a great guy, and it, it, he's just so. Uh, all of these folks were so dedicated to. Um, to having fun and doing a great job at the same time. And, uh, and so we were, you know, really lucky to have such a, such a happy set, uh, which, uh, which is important when you're, when you're working on a, on a film, I think. Right. But, uh, and you, you did sort of answer this. Um, so, and you do use a lot of, you know, your, your same friends and, and, you know, players going through. So when you're writing, I know you're writing specifically for the period, but are you also writing specifically for them? Always, always. Uh, 
it, it uh, for instance, in Lost Skeleton Returns again, um, and I'm not a, I'm not a big fan of sequels, but um, if you have an idea that makes it somewhat different and there's some reason for it to exist rather than just being a, a, a repetition, then I found that to be worthwhile. And so I'm writing, for instance, with Brian, Brian Howe's character had um, met his end in the, in the first movie. So uh, I thought it'd be fun to bring him back as a twin. And of course, even more absurd to bring back Dan Conroy as a twin of Ranger Brett. Uh, and so when writing those parts, I'm, you know, I'm hearing their voices. And I'm yeah. hearing, you know, a, 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 a Jen and um, Allison Martin and uh, Faye Masterson. Uh, and I think it just makes it, I, I think it makes the, the writing that much easier when you can, when you can do that, when you, you can hear those voices. Okay. Now with, um, I know you've had some very successful Kickstarter campaigns for these discs. You yeah, know. we just had our third one with Dark and Stormy Night. The first one was Lost Skeleton Returns again, and the second one was uh, Trail of the Screaming Forehead. So yeah, we've uh, we've done well with these, which is which is great. The fans have been great and uh, and supportive, and uh, it's so nice to be able to see these remastered, which uh, Bill Russell does a great job of. Okay, now my question would be, would this possibly open up the door for another Kickstarter for possibly the Lost Skeleton Walks Among Us? Oh, uh, well, I don't know about that. Um, doing a Kickstarter for a Blu-ray release is one thing, but we did try um, so, uh, some years ago to... Um, Mounted, you know, we had a Kickstarter for Lost Skeleton Walks Among Us, which would be the third and final film, uh, but it just it just didn't make it. Um, so right now, as it stands, I, we we don't have any plans to try that again. But you never know. I mean, I haven't given up the idea of making it. I, you know, there's a lot of possibilities. It could be even an animated project. I mean, who knows? So, but right now, there's nothing on the table. Oh, okay, great. So, so you're telling me there's a chance there. <laughs> <laughs> well, just saying there's there's not not a chance. Ah, uh, uh, the double uh, negative. I see what you're doing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, okay. So, are you? I mean, I know you're you're writing also. Right, you're right. I mean, you've got books. Oh, I just, uh, I just actually just before getting on this uh, call with you, I got my mail, which is doesn't sound too exciting, does it? (laughs) Mail, just a typical thing, right? Wrong. This was exciting mail because I got a proof copy of a book that I've been, I've been trying to get this out for a while, trying to find the time to uh, get this book. Uh, done. Uh, it's a book of my cartoons that I, this is another thing I do because I started as a graphic artist. And I still, uh, you know, I, I sketch cartoons. They started out as something for my own amusement um, and just a sort of, um, a, a, a sort of a therapeutic scribble kind of thing, you know. But I finally, in the last couple of weeks, I found a window where I could get the book together, gather up the cartoons and um, I just got a proof copy, and uh, by golly, it looks pretty good. Uh, 
So I, I'm just going to give a um, quick once over for typos. Uh, the printing looks great. It's, uh, uh, it's a book, a collection of 200 of my cartoons, which the total is 200. So that's all of them. And it's called um, Johnny Rusted. He don't like no fried food. That rolls off the tongue. There you go. And it means absolutely nothing. <laughs> you, uh, if you see the cover, it means it may, makes a little more sense. I try not to make too much sense with anything that I do. Um, but anyway, that's, uh, that's uh, going to be available uh, actually for order online in the next couple of days. I'm, like I said, I'm just going to go over the proof copy and then I will post on Facebook and Twitter. I'll post a link to uh, where folks can order it. Wow. Fantastic. Now, you're, uh, the Steam Wars, are you still doing that, or is that something that's been... Well, Steam Wars has kind of been on the back burner for a while. Uh, I had a partnership with the company uh, for a while, put out a graphic novel, three parts. Um, but uh, uh, things kind of went south a bit on it, and I think um, uh, it's in a sort of limbo state right now, but that doesn't mean it's not... that. That's a dream project of mine. It's a huge, huge project. It is a uh, 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 steampunk epic, which I created years ago. And it, it really is, uh, it's, it's, it's not a lot of science fiction. It, it's more like a swashbuckling historical war adventure type thing in Victorian days. Um, it's less fanciful than a lot of the steampunk. But it's something that... Uh, but, um, you know, I want to, I do want to get back to it. I'm constantly going from one project to the next, it seems like. And, uh, it's, it's just a whirlwind sometimes. Um, but I do want to, uh, I do want to get back to Steam Wars. And were you doing art, uh, for like a, like a game, uh, was it an RPG or a... Yes, they came from beneath the sea. Uh, I did a lot of artwork for that and it was a lot of fun. Um, yeah, they commissioned me uh, a couple of years ago. Um, that was my first experience with RPG. I've never had any, uh, I don't know much about RPG. I still don't. Uh, but I was writing for them and um, more of a story guy than, than the technical aspects, of course, uh, and doing a bunch of artwork. Uh, and it was a lot of fun because it was a 50s, had a 50s monster movie feel to it. So it was a nice, uh, nice palette to work on there. And that is available right now. They came from beneath the sea. Oh, okay. And then uh, as well as uh, your films, your your uh, spoof films and stuff, you also wrote a straight-up uh, horror film a few years ago. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, I co-wrote uh, with my buddy Kyle Rankin, uh, The Witch Files. Uh, it was a lot of fun because it was so different from any of the other stuff that I've been doing. Uh, and also it was fun because working with Kyle was fun. And Honestly, I have never collaborated before as a writer, and I was not too sure how that would go, uh, but it went really well. It was actually, uh, it was actually very smooth, and, um, and Kyle directed it. I thought, I thought the results were quite nice, and, and we, uh, we had a lot of fun doing it. All right. And Larry, on, on social media, I know you post a lot of uh, your brain droppings, if you will, but also a lot of things that your that your son says and does and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. There's a variety of things I do. That some of those, and I do. I also do a lot of sort of. Um, I'm a real nut for for classic television and for 
movies of almost all kinds of movies. Mm-hmm. So I, I, you know, I can't get enough of them. And, and, uh, and a lot of times I will share uh, sort of, you know, mini reviews of this or that movie. I love finding stuff that's obscure. Um, and this is not just sci- sci-fi and horror. This is pretty much all genres except probably musicals. I'm not really a musical fan, but um, uh, I've been just, you know, uh, it's it's a great time for a movie fan right now. I mentioned earlier Doubt yeah. and Kino Lorber. I'll add Olive Films and Arrow, and, and there's some other labels that, that escape me that are really putting out a lot of wonderful Blu-rays of things that need to be out there and things that we don't, we've never heard of too. So uh, it's a great time to be, to be a movie fan, I think. And um, I also got, I have the complete Gunsmoke DVD collection. That's 20 seasons, which oh, is, wow. I'm a big Western fan. So yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I've always found Gunsmoke to be a, a just a fine piece of work and an amazing, I mean, but it, it had stretched for 20 years and, and had just a, a great uh, quality over the years. And so I'm, I'm, going through those like a kid in a candy store. And that's really, that's really fun. So, uh, uh, yeah. Yeah. So yes, I, I do. I like to post a lot of this stuff. Now with your son, he seems to have this amazing imagination and creative and has an appreciation of, of movies and, you know, older type of stuff as well. Yeah. And he started doing some stop motion animation, which is uh, really neat. Oh, that's great. That is great. Now, wh- what is he like? Because I've got, you know, I've got three young kids, you know, uh, 12, 9, and 7. And I'm always trying to give them an appreciation for Harry Housen and, you know, some of the old stuff and old cartoons and mm-hmm. yeah. all that type of thing. What What are some of his favorites? Well, let's see. He uh, uh, The other day he asked for some Popeye. Uh, he, he loves the, the the old um, Fleischer Popeye cartoons, uh-huh. um, which uh, Warner Brothers has put all of them out, which is great. Uh, so he's a he's he's definitely a fan of those. Um, he also, you know, and, and actually, uh, I enjoy watching with him the uh, Scooby Doo movies, which are oh, yeah made for TV, or I should say, not made for TV, really direct to video. Let's call them. Um, that they have done for the last, uh, well, I think they started them in the 90s, um, and they still make them, and they are, they're really well made. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, he gets a kick out of them, and I enjoy them too. Oh, they they have, I'm, I'm amazed at the credit sequences. They do, a, they have credits, the title sequence, uh, they give it a lot of care, kind of like, uh, you know, something that would make Saul Bass smile. I mean, it really, really, a lot of design work goes into it. And uh, we've been enjoying them. Um, he also went uh, through, <laughs> we went through the Three Stooges, which uh, Griffin really appreciated. Although once we got past, we got towards the end of the Shemp stuff, he wasn't too keen to go on after that. Really, Curly was his, his favorite. But, uh, but yeah, he likes uh, a lot of the older stuff. It's great. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, that's fantastic. <laughs> Great. Now, uh, with your movies, uh, the new uh, Blu-rays, where can people get a hold of those? Oh, well, uh, if if you Google hydraulic entertainment, uh, dark and stormy night, 
that will take you to uh, uh, the uh, the Blu-ray there, or Hydraulic Entertainment, Trail of the Screaming Forehead, Hydraulic Entertainment, Lost Skeleton Returns Again, um, or any combination of those words should work, and uh, you can you can get both uh, regular copies of the Blu-rays or signed copies. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Okay. Wonderful. 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 Is there anything that you would like to uh, mention that that hasn't been mentioned yet? Well, I will mention uh, the one thing I'm working on right now, besides getting this book out, which is pretty much done now. Uh, I can tell you that um, I'm working on a project, um, but I can't tell you what it is. So, <laughs> so there's how's that for tease? Uh, it, 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 all I can say is there is something we are, we do have something coming and I think, uh, fans will be into it and, uh, I can't say what it is yet. So we're not quite ready to announce it. Uh, but it's fun. And, um, and that's soon. But there's a thing of stirring is what you're saying. So. Yep. It's stirring. Great. Love it. Love it. All right. Um, Larry, I want to thank you again for coming on. Well, my pleasure. Really appreciate it. And you know what we say, guys. Be decent to each other. Peace.